we, we went through uh, last week kind of the practical of this passage and just kind of some things you can pull out and apply to your life. And that's generally, if you guys know me, I want to make sure, I feel like I failed if you ever walk out of here on a Sunday morning and you couldn't find something that you can take and inspirationally apply to your life. Right, because I, I believe that that is what our Christian walk is based on. Obviously, we need the doctrine in our life. We need those things. But if we don't have something inspirationally, man, you you feel like you're thirsty all the time, right? And so that's what I feel like is my job is to make sure that you guys have something that you can just take and hold on to uh, and use throughout the week. You know, just kind of encouraging, like this is something cool. And so we kind of looked at some of those things last week. Go back and uh, listen to it. Hopefully, it's on there. Uh, if it, I don't know. It was. It's supposed to be on there. Caleb told me Wednesday that it wasn't, but for whatever reason, I'll ask Brianna about it today. I didn't ask her yet. So anyway, um, but this week I want to circle back around with not really the same passage because I'm not going to read the whole thing again. But I, I want to focus on uh, Rahab, right? And so there's just some really cool things about the way that God used uh, this gal, uh, even throughout Scripture. But and so. Uh, I just had this question. I, I usually don't title things, but I had this question. Can God, or I'm not God, uh, can a harlot be saved? So if you wanted to title it, you could just title it that. But uh, can a harlot be saved? And, you know, a lot of times we have these thoughts in our lives where, you know, we know that God saved our souls from whatever we were in, you know, but we also know that, you know, some people were into some, some stuff that was a little worse than others, right? And so the way that our American minds work is, you know, well, at least I'm not as bad as that guy. Or there are some things that are just really bad, like really wicked. Like, you know, why would God, you know, she's selling herself out and all these different things. And so I think there's a purpose in what God is trying to show us. There's a reason that God didn't just use the innkeeper. There's a reason God didn't just use, you know, uh, the, the supermarket clerk or, or whatever else in, in Jericho at the time, right? He didn't go down to the Walmart and, and use... <laughs> For whatever reason, Meredith thinks that's really funny, but you know. <laughs> anyway, so uh, God used the harlot, and so uh, here I'm going to give you seven proofs today. I'm going to give you seven proofs. I hope it's all going to be today. Maybe not. Seven proofs that God can save even the worst sinners, right? Because in our minds, we like to think sometimes that person is a lost cause. That person is so wicked. You know, and we can even think of people in our lives that it's just like we've even tried to share the gospel with them and they're just too wrapped up in sin. And, you know, they're just that's just their lifestyle. And so uh, I'm going to give you seven proofs today uh, of how this thing's going to play out and, and how God can, even just proofs out of Scripture, how He can use even somebody like Rahab. And so... If you have your Bibles, flip over to uh, Joshua chapter 2. I just want to read the first couple of verses, right? Because we read the whole thing last week, but I just want to read this. And it says, uh, And Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out of uh, Shittim two men to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, even Jericho. So he sends these guys out. We know the story from last week. Uh, and they went, and they came into a harlot's house named Rahab and lodged there. And every time I read this, I'm like, Why, why are they hanging? I mean, like, they couldn't find any place better to be? You know, and we kind of talked a little bit last week about some of the reasonings why this may be. Uh, and just, you got to remember, these guys were Jews. These were God's chosen people. They looked differently, right? Their skin tone was probably different. Their, everything about them was different. It's no different than, like, if, uh, if I jump on a plane uh, and I fly to Africa, I'm going to look different. Right, I'm going to stick out uh, like a ball in tall grass. Right, or, or I'm, I'm not going to blend in like a ball in tall grass. I look different. When we went to India, like people would flock to my wife because not only was she 
pale complected, but she had red hair. It was completely the opposite of anything, right? Like the the kids, the kids would like. I'm not kidding. When we were in Mumbai in the slums, it didn't matter where we went. There were a group of 15 or 20 kids everywhere she went, and because it was just, it was like she was a celebrity, and it was just because she was different. Okay, well these guys, these two guys were going in as spies. Like they don't want people to notice that they're there, and so that could possibly be like. One of the reasons, people aren't exactly just staring at what's going on at the Harless house, you know, and so you just blend in there. And so that, that possibly could be a reason. That's at least how I'm explaining it off in my head is why are they, you know, why did they end up there? So they end up at the Harlot's house. And I've always just wondered, what, what is it about Rahab? Why did, what is it about the Harlot? Why couldn't we have used somebody else? And it says in verse 2, and it was told to King Jericho, saying, Behold, there came in hither, in hither tonight of the children of Israel to search out the country. Right? And so, we know the story. I read it last week. You know, they go in. The king finds out. He sends to Rahab, you know, and he's like, hey, what's going on here? And she's like, I don't know what you're talking about, right? And that's kind of how this thing plays out. And so I want to show you a couple things. And so first off, today's different, okay? I generally don't give you guys a whole bunch of verses on purpose, right? Because as far as the way my brain works, uh, I go through a lot of verses when I'm prepping stuff, but just to download a whole bunch of verses to you, at least I I think it kind of pulls away from what I'm trying to get at. But today, there's going to be some verses. There's going to be some Bible study going on, and some of you might be like, okay, that's not for me. But some of you, like, this is really cool stuff. And so uh, when you look up the word uh, harlot, just out of uh, verse 1, right? Because I'm like, okay, I want to look into this. I'm trying to figure out why. God's using a harlot. And so I'm kind of giving you guys some tips on how Bible study kind of works. And so I'm looking at harlot. I, I pull up my my e-sword on my computer. So you guys sh- should know, like, there's Bible study programs to help you with all this stuff. It's called e-sword. Uh, Paige uses on her phone, uh, what's it called? I don't know. It's an app. It's called Blue Letter Bible. It has all the same tools that e-sword has, okay? Okay, there's a website. There's all these. I'm just telling you that there's tools to help you study. And so when you're reading, you don't just have to say, hey, that's interesting, but I can't figure it out and move on. Like there are tools to help you break down this stuff. Now, I'll also tell you right off the top, I'm usually one that stays away from like, what does the Greek word mean? What does the Hebrew word mean? Like, because it just, for one, it kind of goes over my head a lot of times. But, you know, I, I tend to not get super in depth because I'm trying to find something inspirational. Like, well, okay, well, this is the opposite of that. I'm trying to figure out why in the world God's using a harlot and what is the purpose in all of this thing. And when you study it out, there's some really cool things here. And so when you look at the word uh, harlot, okay, before we go any farther, I want you guys to get this, okay? Because I want to get into the harlot thing. And, and what, what is the purpose of the Old Testament? We are the church age... Um, Obviously, the, the Old Testament's not written for us, or it's not written to us. It's written for, written for us, but it's not written to us, okay? So, you know, we, why as New Testament Christians, why is, you know, the church age, we're Gentiles, we're not Jewish, why, what is the purpose of the Old Testament for us in just a really basic form? Somebody just tell me, what? Instruction. Instruction? Okay, but how does God, that's, that's right, we are supposed to use it for instruction, but how does God use it for our instruction? Yeah. The, the book of Romans says it's basically our schoolmaster. It's to teach us that we're sinners. But how does he do that in the Old Testament? 
pictures, right? Those are both dead, dead, exactly right answers, but he does that through pictures. The Old Testament is like a picture book. That's why I like it so much. It's like going to the library, even though I don't go to the library, but it's like going to the library and not finding a book full of a whole bunch of words, but it's a book full of a whole bunch of pictures. And it's like, I can, I can understand this, right? And so he uses, God uses the entire Old Testament as a picture book to point to something that's coming in our lives, okay? And so everything in the Old Testament did happen. So don't take it just as a figure, right? Or as Tom Fort would put it, a figure, right? But don't take it as a figure. These things did happen. But on top of that, they're pointing to something else. So as you read through the Old Testament, you have to look at it two ways. Yes, it happened historically, but it's pointing to something that's going to happen again, right? It's always pointing to, to something that will happen, and generally it's always pointing towards Christ or something like that. And so as we go through this, be thinking about the fact that God used the picture of a harlot, right, to save her house, and what is that pointing to as we get to us in the New Testament? Okay, and so be thinking about that as we go through this. So when you look at a harlot, it's the Hebrew word, the, the number is H2181. If you're like me, you're going to be like, I'm not writing any of this down because it's way over my head. You can just listen, and that's fine. Uh, I can already tell you we won't get through all this today because I don't want to just rush through this because this is some really cool stuff. Uh, so the word Hollywood is uh, H2181, and so that breaks down if you look it up in your Strong's Concordance, or if you're like me, uh, I have a Strong's, and it's got a really nice spot on the bookshelf because I have an e-sword that, uh, uh, that I use. Yeah, Lauren's looking at me like, what? He doesn't use his... No, I use e-sword that has the same tools. Like, for me to flip through the pages, it's just, it's easier for me. Like, I, I hit the easy button, and I use my little Bible study program. Um, we do have one. I just... I remember using it. I, I remember. I remember using it when I was in HBI. But um, no, I use I use eSword as the program that I use. It works with my brain. But anyway, so H twenty one eighty one. It means if you look up what that word meant when the translators were translating the Bible, uh, right? It means to commit adultery. Oh my gosh, that's surprising, right? The word harlot means to commit adultery. Like so, you're right on. Sometimes you, people are like, "Well, does it really mean what it means?" Well, when you look it up, and when they were translating it, H twenty one eighty one means to commit adultery. It also goes on to say, usually of the female. You know, you don't hear about a lot of men that are harlots. I mean, you just don't. Generally, the word harlot is referred to as a woman. So, to commit adultery, usually of the female. And less often, he goes on, just to really clarify this for you, and less often of simple fornication. Okay, so uh, you can just imagine, you use your imagination, okay? This isn't just like... Simple fornication. Uh, she's a harlot, okay? Uh, stop trying to explain it away. And I'll read something to you in a minute because that's what some of your modern uh, textual critics are trying to do. They're trying to explain away, well, she probably wasn't really a harlot. No, okay, if you, if you just read what it says, it means to commit adultery. Usually the female, less often the simple fornication. Rarely of involuntarily ravishment. It wasn't an accident, guys. And so when you're reading it and you're like, what is this all about? Okay, she's a harlot. That's what she is. That's what she does, okay? Um, it is what it is. Uh, it also goes on to say, and we'll wrap around this uh, later on, but figuratively, to commit idolatry, the Jewish people being regarded as Jehovah, uh, uh, Jehovah's uh, children, okay? So, so when you read it and it says harlot, like I, I know I'm telling you something you already knew, but I want to make sure that we all know, like the gal was a prostitute, 
Okay, let's just put it in today's words. That's what she was, okay? So what is God doing using a prostitute? Well, that's what we're going to look into. So that's what harlot means. I'm, not, I'm only going to do this with one other word, okay? Because I know that this is way too much information for some of you guys. But we have to have this to move forward, okay? So when you look at harlot, that's what it means. When you look at Rahab, this is interesting. And you don't know, you won't know why it's interesting until later. But uh, when you look at the word Rahab, uh, it is the word H7343. It means proud, right? It means proud. It also means, uh, I'm going to write this down because I can't pronounce it. And so that's what we're going to, what? Watch my recorder. Watch it fall on the ground. I usually don't write things down, but okay. So uh, it means proud. Take a, what you, of me writing? I don't ever do this. Never do I do this. <laughs> I can hear you. I know this is how it's how I roll. Uh, it also means uh, this is a name. R A C H A B. Uh, put it on the website. No, you won't see this very often. I may have knew that. So when you look at Rahab, that's what it means. Okay, so it means proud. It means uh, Rahab. I think that's how you would pronounce that. I don't know. If not, it just sounds cool. It sounds Russian. Rahab. <laughs> uh, it also means a Canaanitis. Meaning. <laughs> what? <laughs> I totally missed it. We need some drugs. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Lauren's not wrong. Okay. Or Jewish. Okay, well, there you go. <laughs> It just sounds like that to me. So, I mean, it's my story. I'll tell however I want. <laughs> also, a Canaanitess, meaning she was uh, a Canaanitish woman, okay? That was the, the lineage that she was from, okay? It's kind of like uh, Ruth was a Moabitess woman, or, you know, there's different lineages uh, that these people are from, meaning she's not Jewish, okay? Obviously. She's living in Jericho. She's a Canaanite. Uh, most of the people from Jericho were Canaanites, okay? And so that's the whole point. You might be like, what are you trying to say? Well, we'll circle back around and talk about what this means. But when you look at, uh, what does the word harlot mean? It means she's a prostitute, okay? When you look at Rahab, what does that mean? It means she's proud. This is like her, her name, okay? And she's a Canaanitess, okay? And so let's jump into what this, kind of what I want to get to today. So we're talking about a harlot. We're talking about why in the world is God using a harlot uh, to get anything done? Why couldn't we have used anybody else? Why couldn't we have... Let me tell you one other... I want to show you one other thing before we move on. When we talk about Harlot. So this is uh, Esword. I usually don't do uh, much commentary stuff, but out of the treasury of Scripture knowledge, uh, this is what some of your uh, textual critics will try to say today. So just so you're like, you don't leave here and then hear this and be like, Jason didn't even know what he's talking about. Well, I know what these guys are saying. I'm just calling them out of wrong, okay? Because uh, I'm telling you what... When they translated it, uh, the gal was a harlot, okay? This is what she did. But if you read it, uh, when it talks about harlot's house, it says uh, through the word uh, zona, Z-O-N-A-H, generally denotes a prostitute, yet many very learned men, anytime you read anything, yeah, it is spelled differently. Anytime you read something that says very that that learned men are trying to sell you something, it usually means they're too smart for their britches. Okay, at least that's the way I've always seen it. But uh, it says, uh, "Yet very many learned men are of an opinion that it should be rendered an innkeeper or a hostess." 
to furnish or provide food. In a sense, uh, it was understood by the... Okay, it gets really wordy from there. So, uh, <laughs> so she ran a brothel in Jericho. Well, actually, if you read on farther down, uh, where does it? Where did I read that? Um, no, if you go to the other commentary, that's what it says. <laughs> what did she say? She just provided services. She was definitely an innkeeper. <laughs> yes, uh, I can't remember. I, I read it. I read something somewhere that was very uh, along with what Paige was saying. You know, uh, in that. Uh, Maybe it was right here. Oh, yeah, and, and it is also supposed to denote a tavern keeper. Among the ancients, women generally kept houses of entertainment, right? <laughs> so uh, whatever it is, when we read it, and you're reading, and you're like, what is Rahab all about? She's, she's a prostitute. She's a harlot, okay? The, the, the two Jewish spies roll in, and that's where they're at, okay? No, that's what the, the very learned men try to tell you. Anyway, it is what it is. So that's what we're getting at. So the point is, I want to get to this today. There, there's seven proofs that God can save even the worst of sinners, right? Even the worst of people. And let's get through what? It's an Airbnb. It's an Airbnb. Hey, we stayed in one of those when we went on vacation. And it was not that. That, that. This is off topic, but it's really funny if somebody made up like little like posters of like newer versions of like old Testament things, like an Airbnb right. of Rahab's house on the wall. Like <laughs> perfect view. <laughs> Let's get back on track. If I knew how to do it. So here's your first proof. So the, the whole point here is this gal is messed up. Why is God using her? Why what is the purpose? Why would God use her? And so that's what I want to get into because it's like that's the stuff that's really interesting to me. Why wouldn't God use somebody that's righteous? You know, we look back in the Old Testament, we look at Abraham, and it's like, that, guy, that dude is righteous. You know, we look at uh, throughout the Old Testament, these guys are pictures of what we want to be like. We look at uh, Joshua, that dude is righteous. We look at people like David, King David, he was righteous, and Solomon. And obviously, they all have their downfalls, nobody's perfect. But, like, what is God using a harlot for? Because not everybody's perfect. Not everybody is a righteous dude. Not everybody, like some people come from the background, they're just like, I'm so messed up that God can't do anything for me. And God's like, let me tell you a story about a gal named Rahab. Okay, and that's the whole point. And so that's where I'm getting these seven uh, proofs uh, of how God can, can save even the worst of sinners. And here's the first proof. The proof of uh, justification by faith. Right, The proof of justification by faith. If you have your Bibles, you don't have to, but flip over. We don't do a lot of flipping usually, but flip over to Hebrews uh, chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. What's Hebrews chapter 11 known for? It's known as like the Hall of Fame of Faith. Hebrews chapter 11, if you flip to uh, start in verse 1, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it... Not through it, because in the New Testament you get saved through faith. But in the Old Testament you got saved by faith. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God, so that uh, things which are uh, which are seen are not made of things which do appear. And then from there it goes through this list of really awesome uh, people in the Bible. Right? It talks about by faith Abel offered a God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Uh, by faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death. By faith uh, by faith Noah being warned of God as things not seen. He goes through all these guys that did amazing things by faith. Right? It wasn't through faith. In the New Testament, how do we get saved? It is through faith in Christ. Right? We just simply have to pray, God, save my soul. 
And then what happens? You're saved. In the Old Testament, it didn't work like that. They could have been like, God saved my soul, and it wouldn't have done him a lick of good because it was a different dispensation. You want to know what I'm talking about? Get into D2, okay? But in the Old Testament, you have to understand it worked differently. They had to prove their faith to God. You know, they, they, their judgment will be different than ours at the judgment seat of Christ, right? Or at the great white throne. Because it'll all be judged by the things that they did. And so these people that is going through this, what we call the hall of fame of faith, people that did things that were absolutely crazy in their time. Okay? You go through all these really awesome dudes that did really awesome things uh, for God, and you fast forward all the way down to verse 31. And then it says, uh, or verse 30, By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven times. Verse 31, By faith the harlot doesn't mince words, even your New Testament. By faith the harlot, Rahab, perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. He called her prostitute on this thing. This thing? Great years of faith. Yeah. That's what I mean, yeah. That's what she is. And so that's the point. You have the proof of justification by faith. She was justified by her faith even living in crazy sin in the time. In our lives, we get saved, and what do we do? We, in turn, try to do everything we can to live for God after that. We have to do nothing pre-salvation. There's like no prerequisite. You pray and you receive Christ. When you receive Christ, you naturally, this, this thing called repentance happens, and you naturally turn away from that junk, and you go towards God. Does that mean you live perfect after you get saved? Absolutely not. Right? We still struggle. We still backslide at times. We do those things. But... You, when you get saved, you now want to, to do these works for God. You want to be in the ministry. You want to minister to people. You want to help out. Right? It was different in the Old Testament. These guys knew that to have a relationship with Jehovah God, they had to do works to do it. Right? It, they did these things by faith. Like Abraham. They, by faith, they did these things. By faith. By faith. Rahab knew nothing about God other than he parted the Red Sea. Right? He did all these wondrous works and she'd heard about it and she knew enough to know that uh, by faith I better do something to be on the right side of this guy because if not, I'm going to be on the wrong side. Right? By faith. That's proof of justification by faith. And uh, in the New Testament, what happens? Ephesians 2.8 says what? For, for by grace are you saved through faith. We know that in the New Testament, our justification comes through faith. In the Old Testament, it was by faith. This gal who was completely wicked in what she was doing, by faith knew that she needed to be on the right side of God. Right? It's no different than we need to make sure that we are on the right side of, of things. Right? And obviously it's different. In the Old Testament, they had to prove it. In the New Testament, we just simply have to pray it. But she was justified by her faith. Right? That's a proof that God can do something, even in a wicked person like her. He puts her in the Hall of Fame of Faith. Right? There's proof there that he's gonna, he, he can use anybody. He can use anybody. The next one, the next proof. Uh, there's proof of justification by works. And I feel bad because the really good ones aren't going to come till next week. It's like a cliffhanger. You're going to have to come back next week because the really good stuff that God showed me is towards the end of this list. But uh, the proof of justification by works. Flip over to James chapter 2. It's funny that this prostitute from the Old Testament in Jericho keeps finding herself here in the New Testament thousands of years later like God's trying to show you something. Uh, yeah, it's a coincidence, I'm sure. Uh, Ephesians chapter... No, no, I'm sorry, that's not right. James chapter 2, and verse 25. James chapter 2, and verse 25, here we find her again. 
It says, likewise also, was not Rahab the harlot? Again, we don't mince words. We don't just call her Rahab, right? But was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and sent them out another way? Her works proved her, are, are going to justify her, right? Even then, and we just talked about that a minute ago. Compare that to uh, back up a couple verses in James chapter 2 and verse 22. It says, uh, we'll just back up to verse 14 because James is making this argument of faith versus works, right? And he's trying to show that in the New Testament it's different than the Old Testament, but the Jews were doing it different. He says, What is a prophet, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and hath not works, can faith save him? If your brother or sister be naked or destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, that you want and fill, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful of the body, what is the profit? Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me that faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God. Thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou, O vain man, uh, that, but wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? And then it all of a sudden, it, it's talking about this faith versus works thing. Then he's like, okay, let me give you a couple examples from the Old Testament to show you. I'm gonna, it, like, you're not tracking with me. Let me show you a couple pictures, right? That's no different than like, you got the instruction manual, how to put something together. Sometimes a picture's worth a thousand words. Like, I know you're not tracking. Let me show you a picture. Oh, now I'm tracking, right? We're trying to put this ever-loving playground equipment together. If there wouldn't have been pictures, that stuff would still be in a pile on the ground because the words was like Spanish, okay? I mean, it was bad. Show me a picture. And so that's what James is like. Here, let me show you a picture. Verse 21. Was not Abraham our father? Oh, yeah, I know him. I, I've seen that picture. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works... And by works was faith made perfect. That's what we're talking about. And then he goes on and he uses Rahab. Oh yeah, do you remember Rahab? How was she justified? Oh, it was the fact that she acted on her faith. Right? What faith? Well, the faith that she knew that God was something that she didn't want to mess with. Right? It, it's different. And today, you share the gospel with somebody and they, they come face to face with God. Right? Here's the truth. I show it to you. Do you believe it or not? They come face to face with God. Rahab, she had heard a lot about Jehovah God. She'd heard all about the Jewish God. Enough to be scared. Enough to know that this dude can part the Red Sea. Right? This dude can, like, take the, the, the armies of Egypt, which was the biggest of everything at that time in the world, and make them look like, you know, toys. Like, she knew enough to know that here come the spies. This is her face-to-face -face meeting with God. I better do something. If not, I'm going to be on the wrong side. It's no different. We get saved by simply saying, yes, I believe. We come face to face with God and we're like, yes, I put my faith in you. She came face to face with God and she had to do something, right? She was justified, that was the proof, justified by her works. She acted on it, right? That's the, that's the second proof that you can know that God can save anybody. And that's as far as we're going to get. I promise the other four are really, or the other five are really good. Those weren't bad, but the other five are like there's some pictures in there. There's some stuff that like it even blows my mind. It's just like how did God make all that work? And so uh, come back next week and we'll talk about those. We'll get through them next week, but there's some really good stuff, guys. There's like God didn't accidentally use uh, the prostitute from Jericho. Uh, he he's there's some really cool stuff, man. Like I I don't want to tell you. It's it's really good though. Study it out this week. It's really good. Study out. Try to find some of the stuff how God used uh, Rahab uh, to get to Christ, and it's it's really good stuff. So come back next week. Uh, we'll get into those, um, and and we'll go from there. So with.
I was going to say something while you're talking. The, what I like about that is how because uh, we're saved by the faith of Christ and how it's the reason why it's no longer by our faith like it was theirs, like their works, is because the work was already done. And yeah. Before that work was done, they had to do their own works. Yeah, they had to do something. Christ did the work for us. Right. That's why I like when, uh, I can't remember who said it, but they said, uh, we do believe in a works-based salvation, but we don't do the work. Christ did the work, which is why it's by his faith that we're saved. Mm-hmm. No, that's really good. So, yeah, we'll get back into the, the rest of these next week. There's there's some really cool stuff on how God's using this gal uh, throughout history. And so uh, let's pray, and we'll get out of here and uh, come back next week and, and finish this up. Father God, I love you. I thank you for today. Uh, Lord, I, again, just pray for and just all the people that we prayed for. There, there's a lot of things going on in people's lives, and I do pray that your will is done in their life. Uh, I pray that they give you glory through their situations, Lord, and that uh, glory is uh, gotten uh, by you from these situations. And so... Lord, I pray you just send us out this week as lights in a dark world, Lord, that you would just use us to shine the light. I pray that we would uh, be bringing uh, you face-to-face with people, that they would make a decision, Lord, like Rahab did. And uh, Lord, I do pray uh, for the rad groups this week as we jump back into our personal Bible study, that we could just you know see some really cool things uh, from your word, Lord, and encourage our groups. I pray you just be getting, uh, you are getting uh, the honor uh, for those things. We're not just doing these things. I pray for the harvest party coming up. I pray for the Halloween outreach coming up. I pray that uh, you are uh, really the focus of why we do the things that we do, Lord. And so uh, I pray that you would just uh, bring us back next week as we jump back into this, uh, some of this uh, cool stuff from your word and uh, that you would just uh, bless us uh, this week as we just go about our daily lives. I pray this all in Christ's name. Amen.